0: I'm Rachel. I'm David. And this is all bad things.
1: Welcome everybody. Welcome.
0: Pip, pip, chidio. <laughs> Follow, us chidio. In- <laughs> chidio. Follow us insta, chidio. Follow us Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch at all bad things pod. Email us all bad at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord.
1: We also have a Reddit. Subreddit.
0: Subreddit. Yes. Subreddit. Mm hmm. You're right. And
1: a Discord, did you mention that already? I think I did. Yeah, which mm-hmm. I, I don't even understand how to use. <laughs> I downloaded the app and it's just, I'm like, what? <laughs> so if you never see me on there, it's because I don't know how to use it.
0: <laughs> um, Several people, we have heard from several listeners about doing um, a Twitch stream. So we need to figure out a time. Yes. Watch this space <laughs> for further development. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's probably
1: not gonna, probably not gonna be for a little bit.
0: Well, we're, we got a trip coming up. So
1: is this June twenty fifth? It is
0: when we're recording. But mm-hmm. this is coming out the fall. Oh, this is coming out on our anniversary, our wedding and me anniversary. It is me too anniversary. Yes, wow. anniversary. Yes. Yeah,
1: happy ten years.
0: Yeah, ten years together um, as of July third.
1: Um, what was I gonna say? Six years, oh, Mary. so if we do one, it's probably not gonna be for like another month.
0: Yeah, probably like late, late or July weeks, or something. something like that. Yeah.
1: But if you want to see it, I mean, I've been wanting to do one for a while. Yeah. And I've got the perfect topic. Right. So, yeah. The, it'll be the fun. video
0: that you were talking about, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: it's the mm-hmm. MTV's 1985 The Year in Rock. <laughs> Pretty I bet Motley
0: Crue makes an appearance.
1: They may or may not. I remember uh, he was going through quite the legal troubles around oh. this time after killing somebody.
0: Oh, well. <laughs> that'll do it
1: that <laughs> will get into legal trouble last i checked
0: yes even if you're
1: defending yourself yes. <laughs> which he was not doing but yeah. anyway. but uh like so we talked a lot obviously we're recording mm-hmm. this a day apart from each other so right. it was only yesterday mm-hmm. we talked about this <clears throat> about the uh submersible oh yes the fate of the um Uh, put together with household parts, apparently submersible. Yeah. And when you get all the way to the bottom, like, you wouldn't be able to see out of the little window anyway, so (laughs) I don't really know what the fucking point of that was, other than Mm thrill-seeking, which I understood when I was 20 years old, but I don't understand anymore. Yeah. Um. I never uh, understood it. But the other thing, the other, like, major news, and, and, man, if this was anybody else, this would be, like, worldwide major, like, what the hell is happening in the United States news. Um, Our former president was indicted on 37 (laughs) counts, and I actually read the indictment, because it's really not very long. Okay. And it's not lawyer, completely lawyer speak. -speak. Uh I mean, it's fairly...
0: Readable. Understandable.
1: I never thought that this dude would ever go to jail. I'm like, it's just never going to happen. Yeah. Like, the amount of things they throw at him, like, it doesn't matter because there's so much shit to get to. Yeah. Some of the things he did while while he was president, literally, other presidents would have had to have resigned. Yeah, um, like the whole thing about he he settled the whole Trump University case while he was president. <sighs> mm-hmm. That would have buried anybody mm-hmm. for for him. It was like, oh, that was like the seventy fifth worst that thing was Tuesday. he did. <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: huh.
1: I'm after reading this thing.
0: You think it might actually happen?
1: I don't know if he's. Uh, it's possible. Like this is not a small thing. Because if it's, because my, here's my understanding of an indictment. What is in the indictment, they have evidence to charge you with. Is that basically how it works? That's how I've always understood it.
0: So, okay, neither of us are legal experts, so neither of us can speak to this greatly, and any legal experts out there can correct us here. Yeah. My understanding. So it went through a grand jury, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, the grand jury is the one who takes a look at the at the evidence and decides if there is enough to bring charges. Correct. Yeah. And so yes, they said there's sufficient evidence to bring charges. They did not say whether he was innocent or guilty. Right. Just that there's enough. There's enough to 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 have a trial. The court's time. There's enough Mm -hmm. to have a trial. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, this is fucking like serious shit that he did. Well, it's treasonous,
0: right? Basically. I mean, to it.
1: For anybody else, they would be screaming treason. Like, if, like he if,
0: literally potentially endangered lives of U.S. assets, meaning oh, he, he, property well, and people, right? Personnel.
1: It has come out, well, it came out before these indictments came out, but I was looking at this a couple of months ago. Around the time when his presidency was ending, and early in Joe Biden's presidency, mm-hmm. apparently we had a lot of spies that were being compromised and or killed. So... Okay.
0: And, and it was like, well, how did that happen? How did they find
1: out this information?
0: And it's possible it was through Trump.
1: And And every... I mean, I don't know why I'm... Every legal that. expert... Of course it's possible. Every legal expert I've watched mm-hmm. and every um, pontificator, right. let's, let's pundit. say. Mm-hmm. pundit. Pundit. Um, and it totally makes sense. They're like, and this would probably happen from day one. They're like, Mar-a-Lago's got to be crawling with spies. Like, it just has to be. Like... And if it's and, and the yeah. and they're and basically like the military intelligence people I've talked to, like if it's not, then that's a dereliction of duty on like on other, other countries' part. <laughs> like, <They're> like Russia's <laughs> letting us down here, right? <laughs> um, because really, all you need to do is yeah. pay the money to get in there. Which, if yeah. you're in that, it's five hundred grand is nothing. Right. If you're going to be, and all you got to do is charm him,
0: which it it takes nothing. Takes doesn't really take Flattery much. Flattery is what that takes.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, this is like a this is, and he also still might be president again. I mean that that is very possible. So I, I
0: definitely hope for a conviction. I hope that it's treason. I hope he is hanged in the public square. Mm-hmm. And if Joe Biden even thinks about pardoning him, oh god, then I will hang him. Let's in the hang him next to Trump. <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> yeah. Yep. He can give him the pardon, and then we can hang both of them mm-hmm. at the same time. Or no, one after the other would be more fun. Yeah. Who would go first? Yeah. I, I would put I'd put I'd put Biden he, first in that right. scenario. He's not the main attraction at that point. <laughs> yeah. Oh my so god. So yeah, so that's wow. that's happened. Um I know that we have right wingers that listen to this, and that's fine. Do we?
0: It, <laughs> after I said fuck conservatives well, we last had, week?
1: We had one we have one as far as I know. I don't know <laughs> if he still listens. But um but no, this is like not an unserious thing. This no. is like this is fucking like I couldn't believe it when I was reading it. I was like, mm-hmm. "If it's in the indictment, mm-hmm. then they have to have evidence that it happened." Like that's how I. Well, they
0: have I, to have enough evidence right, that a, a grand jury would say that there's enough. Yeah, so. Well, th- there's certainly not. It's not a fishing expedition. I would say that.
1: No, it is definitely not that. Yeah. It's not. Uh, he colluded with Russia for the election. That that was all fucking stupid shit. Um. I don't know why I don't know why the mainstream media went with that story for so long when there were so many other things that he actually right? did that he could have
0: Well and <laughs> and also another story that like with the submersible, apparently there's a coup in Russia. <laughs> Something going it's on. It's already over.
1: Like I, gee, the <laughs> Who fuck knows? knows. Like just Oh my goodness. That's another person that needs to go away is Putin. For, oh yeah. Of sure.
0: course. Of course.
1: That Hopefully. and the um Um the NHL decided to, dis- to suspend all pregame-worn jerseys, which included mostly the, the the thing that people are making a fuss about are the uh, pride, pride jerseys. Pride jerseys, yeah. Um, I disagree. I don't think they made players wear them because I certain players protested it this, this year. They're like, I'm not going to wear that.
0: And they didn't make them, right? I don't
1: think they did. I don't believe they did. And they shouldn't. You know, No, if, if no you, I
0: agree with that. They shouldn't. Yeah. Just like they shouldn't make them wear the fucking military ones either. Because I, yeah. I sure as fuck wouldn't have worn that.
1: Nobody's going to go against that. But I was actually th- I was thinking about that earlier because I was watching a post from um, NHL Live that they did on Facebook and they were talking about it and uh-huh. how, like, Disingenuous it was. Yeah. All the comments were like, "I love the NHL now." It's basically it was just basically a threat of just bigots. And the only thing that came to my mind is like, "Wow, mm-hmm. these people hate gay people so much that they didn't even realize that this includes like not being able to wear the military." Jerseys. Yeah, right. They just glossed over that. <laughs> like, yeah. They were like, "Oh, whatever. We hate the gays." Well,
0: it's really clear that like ultimately conservatives f- fuck veterans. Because- well, I mean. Look at the state of the VA. We'll put all the money in the world in, like, bombing other countries, but not in taking care of veterans. So...
1: Well, I I honestly think conservatives honestly... Do care about that because let's face it, a lot of veterans are conservative.
0: They say they do, their votes understand. do not reflect that. I understand because they vote for people that constantly underfund the VA.
1: But they talk it up before they underfund it. That's that's. Like How the, the many difference. times
0: are you going to be a fucking idiot and believe that line of bullshit? Uh,
1: for forty years apparently.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry, you <laughs> I mean... don't. Either either you either you're disingenuous or you're a fucking idiot. I
1: mean, to... and I'm
0: trying to learn and figure out a new word other than idiot because. It's ableist, and I'm sorry, but is it? It is. Anyway, but whatever.
1: But uh, I mean, I've been in many Twitter discussions with people about that. Like, it is possible now. You now labor becomes an issue in all sorts of things. I think that's that's why we haven't seen as much of this as the technology is there. You can 3D print houses now.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, yeah.
1: Um, why that hasn't become more of a thing, I think, has to do a lot with labor. Rightfully so. Um, I mean, it still takes labor to 3D print a house, but not Mm -hmm. nearly as much labor as it would have taken to actually Uh build a house. But my thing is just, like, why don't you just 3D print a bunch of houses and just give them one?
0: You mean veterans? Yes. Like like, uh, like, uh, veterans experiencing homelessness? Right.
1: Because I do not agree with war. War is necessary at some times. Uh, for us, it has not been necessary. For literal almost defense since, yes. is
0: what it's necessary for.
1: A war for us has not been necessary since World War II. Um, that was necessary. Well, there was but, uh, a direct. Uh, there was hit a threat
0: on uh, U.S.
1: Well, there was a threat to. There was a legitimate threat to sovereign world sovereignty during that war. Well,
0: th- th- there were an entire people group being wiped out. Yes. If ever there's a time to go up in arms, it's when. Right. Which is why. We should be in fucking war with ourselves over this trans shit that people are trying to take rights away from trans people. Like, that alone is enough for a civil war, in my opinion.
1: Well, I think we're going to experience that, like I said, in about 16 months. Mm -hmm. But whatever. But to get back to my point, yes, I'm against war. I'm against a a, a trillion dollar military budget, which is essentially what we have. But the people who sign sign up for that and actually have to go and Mm -hmm. do that shit... Because I think even deep down they know they're not doing it for peace and freedom. and They, they know what they're doing it for. Um, those are the people that have to experience that, so those are the people that should be taken care of first. That's how I personally feel. So You
0: mean veterans? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh.
1: Um, so, I don't... Oh, yes.
0: That's a, that's so, a priority yeah. over bombs and yes. drones. Fuck yeah. So,
1: I don't see why... I don't know how we wind up going down this road. <laughs> no,
0: this is a very long yeah. rabbit trail. So I
1: don't see why we can't just literally 3D print them a bunch of houses you know, and just right? give them one. But anyway.
0: Well, because apparently we've decided that no, shelter is not a human right.
1: That's, that's true. Um, nor is health
0: care, nor, nor is food security. By Somehow. the way, I
1: came across a TikTok the other day uh, through watching a YouTube video. <laughs> uh, apparently there's a new TikTok trend about um, expats describing like... Oh, th- like where the, they're living now versus. Well, their, their PTSD that they didn't realize that they had. Oh, oh from yes. From, from uh-huh. living in America. <laughs> like
0: uh, people who hear fireworks going off and yes. instantly think it's gunshots. Yes. I saw one where somebody was in a club and they shot off, like, pyrotechnics or yeah. something, and they were the only person that, like, ducked for cover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because other. Many other countries do not experience mass shootings on a daily basis.
1: Well, it's not even that. Like, the one that I saw was this uh, girl. She was uh, she was going to university in, uh-huh. in, in England. University. Um, she was 18, and I, apparently, like, it's a thing just like it is over here. Like, your first night of, or the night before, your first weekend before school, everybody goes out and gets Party. fucking wrecked. And this girl got, like, extremely drunk, passed out to the point where they couldn't wake her up. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, we need to call an ambulance. She's like, no, you, do you know how much those cost? <laughs> right. And they're, they're like, like. It doesn't cost like anything. They're like, it's free here. Uh-huh. She was like, oh. <laughs> yep. Yep. So anyway, on to whatever we were <gasps> well, discussing. Well, we are, are we discussing
0: Great Britain. <laughs> we have finally made we it. We thank
1: you for your free health care, Great Britain, <laughs> even though we can't experience it here.
0: We are on to part three, because we finished part two and a half last week.
1: 2.5.
0: Yes. Of... London Underground, this is part three, The King's Cross Fire. Mm-hmm. So, the subway system of London, also known as the Tube, is the longest metro system in Europe. It currently hosts an estimated 1.35 billion passengers every year. That
1: is an insane amount of people. I know, not it? Obviously, it's not 1.3 billion separate people. Individual
0: people. No, that's but, how many trips, right. basically. But still, that's... that's it's It's incredibly high volume. Yeah. And generates annual revenue of over two and a half billion pounds. While accidents, especially deadly ones, are extremely rare given the traffic volume the tube sees, we are now concluding a trilogy of non-criminal disasters. First was the 1953 Stratford tube crash. Then we did the 1975 Moorgate tube crash. And now we're on to a different animal entirely. The 1987 Mm. King's Cross fire. So we have paid the troll toll. Yes, we have. And talked about Margaret Thatcher. In order to
1: get this boy's hole.
0: (laughs) And Now we move on. So on November 18th, 1987, a fire at the King's Cross Tube Station in London killed 31 people and injured another 100 people.
1: A fire in it? No.
0: I know. In in, in an enclosed space. In a confined Mm -hmm.
1: space? No, thanks.
0: So our primary sources are the British Transport Police, uh, the Department of Transport's investigation into the King's Cross Underground Fire, Human Factors 101. None other than Lee Hutch, former firefighter and arson investigator, investigator, current history professor, and the celebrated author of So Others May Live and Molly's Song. Have two copies of each of them. Yes,
2: we do. Uh, right up there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Right over there. Uh, the London Fire Brigade, My London, The Power of Habit, Seconds from Disaster, Sky News, and Wikipedia.
1: Oh, Seconds from Disaster is that TV show, yep. right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a little dramatic it for is. my taste, yeah. but I, I get it. It's entertaining. It has the
1: it has the voiceover.
0: Yes, it does. The
1: train was on the tracks.
0: And the reenactment with like the the weird filters and trails. The driver
1: hit the gas.
0: So first off, a shout out to all those who suggested this topic. This was actually a very frequently uh, requested one. Yes, thank you all. Sarah S, Janet, Rook, and my aunt Alice. Oh, okay. Who you can listen to in our back in our uh, Hurricane Andrews episode? Oh yeah, it was way back (laughs) Hurricane Andrew episodes. And she shared from a book called The Power of Habit. One of the the citations there. So we have made it through. A multi-page treatise of post-war British politics and economics. And kudos to you all for hanging in there with us. And we are going to reward you by hopping right into the disaster itself for a change. (laughs) So what is probably obvious by the title of this episode, we're dealing with a different type of tube disaster here. The other two disasters were literal train wrecks. This is a fire. Um, Mm. And it is the worst fire disaster by by death toll in the London Underground's history. Ugh. So this happened, in case you can not tell, again by the title, at the King's Cross Station of the London Underground. Technically, it's the King's Cross St. Pancras Tube Station, which I keep wanting to say St. Pancras. Yeah, it's that's what that. I thought you were meaning to say. It's guy. not, Pancras. <laughs> like the Moorgate Station, it's a very old stop along the Underground. It opened in 1863, as part of the Metropolitan it's, Railway. It's that, 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 I know. That
1: alone is ridiculous, too. Like, how old this During is. During the
0: Civil War, they were yeah. starting the London Underground. Yeah, I know. Um, well, rail, anyway. Yeah. So, it's in the borough of Camden. And as of 2021, was the tube station with the highest volume of traffic. So, this okay. is a super busy interchange. An estimated... So, it's like the
1: Fifth Avenue in New York City. Yeah, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. Um, an estimate, or what used to be the the World Trade Center used to be a huge. That's true. It used to be stop. the biggest, I think. It was think one it, of them. Yeah. Mm hmm.
1: Used to be.
0: Yeah. An estimated 100 million two brides begin and end at King's Cross every year. It is located just off of, and I don't know. So, you know how in the U.S., people refer to highways in different ways depending on where you are. Sure. Like we call it 40. We mm-hmm. have highway 40 and we just call it, or interstate 40. We just call it 40. But then people in And then uh, you've got the
1: outer and the inner loop here too.
0: Yep. Yeah, uh, people like on the west coast like in LA I think they call it The 5. The 5. Mm-hmm. They use the, the five freeway. you know. Some people call it I-5 or US-1 or uh, you know, like there's different names. So I don't know if I'm saying this right but this tube station is located just off a, off a highway that's labeled as A five hundred one. Okay. So I don't know if that's how it's, but um, and it's between St Pancras and York Way. It kind of, and I don't don't know London geography well. It looks like it's kind of in central London, north of the Thames, not the Thames, and like a <laughs> not, little on the not, east not side, the not the Thames, the uh, Thames. But uh, like I said, I, I'm I, that may or may not be a great way to describe it. Um, a whole bunch of tube lines converge at King's Cross, including Piccadilly, Northern Metropolitan, Hammersmith and City, Victoria and Circle. So on the evening of Wednesday, November 18th, similar to the other tube crash or the other two disasters we discussed, it was the middle of rush hour. This happened again uh, during rush hour yeah. in one of the busiest tube stations in London. Also November 18th, it's near the start of the holiday shopping season, right? So even more like hustle and bustle kind of going going on. King's Cross, the King's Cross St Pancras station is set up with underground platforms, so like you know you go underground. There's platforms for the Circle, Hammersmith and City and Metropolitan lines. Then under that, there you go down more stairs and then there's platforms for the Victoria line and then even farther than that, there are platforms for the Northern and Piccadilly lines. And of course, you have to get downstairs, right, to go to these other lines. And of course, there were stairs, elevators to do that, and escalators. Or to be more specific in 1987, wooden escalators. What? Yes, these are older escalators.
1: I'm not sure if I've ever even seen. <laughs> I know, a, I know. A wooden escalator? Yes,
0: uh-huh. There was, or I should say a little more specifically, I can't say, I wasn't super clear on whether like the whole thing was made of wood, or whether it was just that, they kept calling it the skirting, which I think is like the walls of the escalator, Mm. you know, had wood on them. Oh, okay. It's possible that the stairs also did, because escalators were, have been around for quite some time. They were invented by the Otis Elevator Company. Oh. And, um... It can be made of wood. It can be largely... Like, it's mechanical, oh, right? Sure. So you don't need metal and plastic to make them. They, they can also be wooden, so...
1: That's an... I'm not even sure I've ever seen a wooden... I
0: know. I think it's an older thing, right? Yeah. And this was an older tube station, and... um, Oh, we're in the middle of an administration at this point in 1987 that isn't super keen on putting money into public works, so... There's that, too. Well, I
1: mean, we don't want to bring in socialism.
0: No, of course not. Those left-wing extremists. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you if you give those peasants, like, a dollar, they'll take a mile.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. But we're not bitter. <laughs> no. So around 7.29 p.m. local time, electronics engineer Philip Squire was just headed out of the Piccadilly Line as a passenger via S. Esco- so this is the lower of the... The Piccadilly line is, is near the bottom via Escalator 4 when he just like, you know, it's just kind just of on the, on the escalator going up and he looks down and he sees like a flickering light hmm. that kind of looks like a flame between the stairs. He, ca- he called it a bright glow. That's what he mm-hmm. could see. He's like, mm, this isn't right. So he went to a ticket clerk and was like, hey, just so you know, like I saw like a glowing underneath the stairs. Just just to give you a heads up. That clerk phoned the relief station inspector to report that what what Mr. Squire had seen. A- around 730 p.m., so right after this, another man riding the same escalator also saw something that he, at this point, he could tell that it was like a flame. He thought it was sure. a fire. So when he got up to the top of the escalator, he hit the emergency stop button.
1: Okay, good.
0: Right? Um, what well, you should do. Right. He called down to the other people on the escalator. Hey, get get off. Get off this escalator.
1: That thing has just become stairs and you need to leave it.
0: Right. <laughs> you need to go up or down them. Two British transport officers, a railman, and a ticket collector who all saw this guy, like, (laughs) calling down and, and stopping the escalator, went to investigate. And also the inspector that the clerk had phoned arrived with another railman to investigate what had been reported before. So one of the British transport officers, like, went about a third of the way down the now stopped escalator and saw, like, a flame a few inches high coming from under the stairs of the escalator. So it's important to note, at this point, fires were not uncommon in the tube.
1: Jeez, are you, even in 1987? Yes. So, oh, God.
0: over the past 30 years, now that is a long period of time, but over the past 30 years, at that point, there had been over 400 fires in the underground, none of which had killed anybody.
1: <laughs> so, so it's all good.
0: <laughs> well, that's kind of part of the problem. Yeah. Is if you've well, dealt the, with the, this the before and it's always been okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so generally most of them were small, easily controlled, although 46 had required evacuation, So they had also evacuated. But everything had been okay otherwise. Um, but that meant that the underground workers had learned to be a little blase about fires in general. Yeah. Yeah. They And more importantly, they were not given proper training on dealing with more serious situations.
1: It's like the... Um... Man. Oh, it was the MGM Grand, where mm-hmm. they insta- where they didn't install the sprinklers. Because to- they'd be like, oh, if a fire stopped, like people will just Somebody know how to put it out. Yeah. <laughs> yes, know. exactly. Like, everybody's a firefighter in their spare time. We all, exactly. we, we all know this. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, So, no big deal.
0: Mm-hmm. The officer who responded to the emergency stop went to go call the fire brigade, and officers shut down Escalator 4. They put like um, caution tape so that people wouldn't go on it. Um, <clears throat> the London Fire Brigade was dispatched at 7.36 p.m.
1: Okay, I mean, everything seems to be it's, off it's to moving, a good start. It's moving, right? It's
0: moving. Uh, the, now, in the meantime, this is all happening under an escalator. They couldn't reach this fire with, like, extinguishers, right? Because it's happening interior to and a mechanism. And it's also, mechanism. and it's
1: also an electric fire, so it's most likely.
0: Or is it? Or, we'll find oh, out about oh, okay. that. Um yeah mm-hmm. okay. this will be this will be interesting when, when we get to that point um the there was a sprinkler system that could be deployed but the underground workers had not been trained on how to use it
1: so, so it wasn't listen, automatic
0: no Mm-mm. okay at seven thirty nine p.m you might, it,
1: want to, might want to train <laughs> you. that might be something <laughs> you, you want to go over like, you turn it on this way, you uh-huh. turn it off this way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I don't, I don't see how it could be much or more complicated Or even where the controller
0: that. of it was. <laughs> yeah. At 7.39 p.m., the transport police decided, they're still waiting for the fire brigade, they're like, okay, let's start getting people out of here. So they decided to start evacuating passengers on the Victoria Line escalator, which was parallel to the one that was on fire. The fire brigade did arrive a few minutes later. When they got there, the fire was the size of what would be they would later describe as quote a large cardboard box
2: okay,
1: sure.
0: or and about four feet high mm-hmm. um,
1: something and, that's clearly noticeable but not out of control.
0: It's not out of control at this point, right? It doesn't seem to be. They plan to use firefighters with breathing masks to fight the fire with water. Meanwhile, the fire began quickly growing and eventually engulfed the whole escalator now as you can imagine a fire that's gaining momentum in an enclosed space oh, geez, is man. quite literally a recipe for disaster and a disaster it was at 7:45 p.m there was a flashover mm. which i'm pretty sure we've discussed in past episodes but who knows when that was so i'm going to cover it quickly here courtesy of lee hutch who responded to my dm <laughs> and And uh, I asked him, like, Lee, can you ELI 5, explain like I'm Mm 5, a flashover. And here's what he said. Quote, okay, so basically it is when you have a fire in a compartment or an enclosed space, think a room in a house, and the thermal radiation reaches a temperature that causes every combustible surface to ignite simultaneously. End quote. Mm -hmm. So I think that pretty well covers it. Yeah. As you can imagine, every combustible surface igniting simultaneously in an underground subway station is not at all okay. Um, Also, as an aside, because Lee is literally the most interesting man in the world, uh, he knows a firefighter who is in this fire.
1: Are you serious? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jeez. (laughs) He 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 knows a lot of shit. (laughs) He's like my dad. He knows everybody. Right?
0: <laughs> and it's very just like, oh yeah, I know that yeah. new guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I met them. But how many celebrities has your dad met? Like,
1: quite a few. I don't know how or like why. <laughs> and he doesn't even seem to, get no. to notice. No. um He's met quite a few at like golf tournaments yeah. and stuff like that. I think that's the bulk of them, but yeah. yeah. He's just like, oh yeah, I played golf with him. like, what?
0: <laughs> In what circumstance did yeah. that happen? Like, how did that happen? So the ticket hall at the top of the Piccadilly Escalator was quickly filled with flames and a thick, dark smoke.
1: And that's what's going to kill most everybody is the smoke. Uh,
0: Although some survivors have literal counts of catching on fire. Oh, I I don't Mm -hmm. have that either. Mm -hmm. As survivor Mm -hmm. police constable Stephen Hansen of the British Transport Police later put it, quote, a large ball of flame, which was about head height, hit mm. the ceiling in the ticket hall. This was followed almost instantaneously by dense black smoke. End quote.
1: And as we also learned from uh, my firefighter, now a fire captain, mm-hmm. James, I think he did the MGM Grand mm-hmm. with us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Smoke can also cause fire. Which, oh, yes. Which, which I did not realize yes. until he went uh-huh. into that. Uh-huh. I was like, why? how? Why?
0: It's, it's, fire is a whole science. It's it is. amazing. So some people were literally burning alive. Others were suffocating. The fire cracked concrete floors, stripped the tiles off walls, and made plastic on the ceiling melt and drip down.
1: Just as a quick aside, mm-hmm. the uh, I-95 fire that happened on the Philadelphia interstate broke the, the, one of the bridges. Did you see that last week? There was a fire on 95 okay. in Philadelphia okay. on a bridge, and the bridge collapsed yes, that's right. due uh-huh. to the fire. And people were like, how does that? It's like, because fire is a very fucking powerful thing. It can burn
0: concrete. Yes. You can see how the, the tiles, like, peeled Oh my off. god, yeah. Yeah.
1: Jeez. No thanks.
0: I know, right? Over 150 firefighters worked to tame the blaze and to rescue anyone they could. They had to hose each other down occasionally just to try to keep cool because Mm -hmm. of the level of heat. Some people were actually able to escape into trains on the platforms below, which is amazing. In the end, 30 people died in the fire. One person died in the hospital later. 100 others were taken to the hospital with injuries. 19 people were seriously injured. Among the dead was London Fire Brigade Station Officer Colin Townsley, who was found next to a passenger near the steps exiting to St. Pancras. It's thought that because of the positioning, he was attempting to help the passenger escape when they both Mm. were overcome. Uh, It took 17 years until 2004 for one of the victims to be identified.
1: Oh my God! Isn't
0: that, uh, that's awful. A seventy-three-year-old man from Scotland named Alexander Fallon. Jeez. Here are a couple more pictures. Well, first of all, this is um, this is one of the escalators. It's very similar in style, but next to the one that actually burned. Okay. So that's what it looked like.
1: Yeah, I'm just trying to picture in my mind this a wooden escalator. Wooden. I mean, it doesn't. That's...
0: It doesn't have to be metal, right? I guess not. And plastic yeah. and stuff, and that's the Jeez. station burned out.
1: Yeah, the amount of damage that a fire does is just it looks like a fucking horror movie every It looks like, like an time.
0: explosion, right? Yeah. Like yeah. And it basically and that's basically that's what a flashover kind of is, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, if it's a, if it's igniting everything mm-hmm. around it, then yeah, it Suddenly, kind of yeah, that basically is an explosion.
0: So obviously there was an investigation into this fire. Um just because she was at the prime minister and not because she was a good person. Margaret Thatcher who I hope everyone agrees we sufficiently roasted last week, initiated a formal public inquiry into the disaster, which started on February 1st, 1988, led by Sir John Desmond Augustine Fennell, <laughs> Order of the British Empire. <laughs> you
1: guys gotta get your names together over there. <laughs> Simplicity is key.
0: His report was published in November 1988, so about a year after the, the disaster. So... Your theory was electrical fire. Right?
1: That's what it sounds like yeah.
0: well let's let's talk about what started this fire. Obviously it had, you know they could only come up with best theories sure. as to it, but they found sufficient e- evidence. Um, the inquiry found that in the weeks leading up to the fire, it, people had observed, that there were little gaps showing up between the stairs and the sides of the escalator on escalator four. So little tiny spaces, Mm. right? They found evidence that other, multiple other fires had been at various points, accidentally started under this escalator, but all quickly burned out on their own. Now, the cause of all these little fires, and likely what eventually caused one horribly large one, matches. Why were matches being thrown down into the escalator? Let's talk smoking hmm. underground, shall we? This is... I mean, I know they had lighters back in the day, but, oh, but matches were a lot but in 1987, you're common. still... Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I first started smoking when I was 17, so that would have been 1994. Mm-hmm. Did you use and matches uh, or a
0: lighter? Were lighters more common? Pretty much
1: always a lighter, because I also smoked weed. Yeah. Um, hard to do that with a match. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um anytime you would buy cigarettes, no matter where, you would get a book of matches matchbook, with it. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it was just like a thing. You is it pe-
0: is there the same number of matches in a matchbook as there are cigarettes in a cigarette pack? Uh
1: I, I don't know. Huh. I've got some because they still I mean i I've I'm eleven days clean. Yeah. Um at sheets, the sheets at the you know uh-huh. the the, the, the I don't, fancy one the mm-hmm. uh not grocery store chain, what am I trying to say? Gas the, station yeah, chain. gas station chain um the last couple times i went there I, like and i bought a package they're like oh do you want to book a matches with that and i'm like huh i'm like nobody's asked me that in like 20 years but <laughs> i but i was like but i was like yeah <laughs> to have them because like when candles get really low yeah uh-huh. it's much more convenient to have than a match a than a lighter mm-hmm. so yeah i do have books of match. so I, huh. I, i've never even thought about that
0: hmm. so even from the outset In 1863, smoking was not allowed on tube trains. I would hope not. (laughs) But here's the thing while technically illegal, people who did smoke on the trains were rarely fined. And between that and a public outcry against the ban in the first place, the underground gave in and opened smoking cars in the 1870s. Then smoking became really commonplace in the tube for decades. <laughs> yeah. They even sold Hey
1: in this confined space. Everybody <laughs> let's, everybody let's light up. up.
0: They even <laughs> sold tobacco products on tube platforms and like cigarette machines and sure. stuff like that. Um, there was a
1: cigarette machine when you guys played that place like two weeks ago. Yeah. I took a I was at like at that
0: really janky place. So yes, yes. I was like,
1: I've not seen one of these in forever. And it worked. Did you did you try I it? bought a pack just Just for the, the heck just of it? for the novelty of it. I was just like
0: How much how much is it?
1: It was like I think it was seven or eight bucks, which was that's about in line standard, with what right? it is at a convenience yeah. store. But I was just like, wow, I was like I was like I couldn't tell you the last time I saw a cigarette machine. If
0: you were gonna be able to buy cigarettes somewhere, it was at that place. Yeah. It was, oh my god, was that place shady? Yeah. love well shady was
1: probably on its best day. Yeah.
0: Um, but worth it for the five people we played to. Oh my god, go. joys of being a musician. Anyway, in the nineteen sixties, uh, things turned slightly. So smoking was everywhere. But then in the sixties, they designated non-smoking cars in the front and the back of the train. And by the seventies, they flipped that. So most trains were default or most cars were default non-smoking front and back were smoking cars.
1: (laughs) Not that it fucking matters (laughs) in a fucking confined space. I mean, really
0: (laughs) now a thing that did change things around was a fire at the Oxford circus tube station in November, 1984, which was found to be likely caused by a smoker dropping a cigarette into a grate Hmm. brought more attention to the issue of smoking in the underground. I Nobody was killed in that, but it was like a serious, like uh oh, like let's probably start... not do this. Yeah, let's start thinking about this. So in 1985, they banned smoking on underground platforms. Then at the time of this fire in 1987, they were doing a temporary six-month trial ban of smoking on all cars and in all stations, just across the board. Um. Now, obviously, someone was either not paying attention to this, didn't know about the ban, or didn't care. But at some point that night, someone lit their cigarette on escalator four, maybe maybe because they were on their way out. You know, if sure. this is an up escalator, yeah. they're like, I'm about to be outside. I'm just going to light up now. And dropped the match they used it, used to light it, while they were on the escalator. It fell through one of those little gaps to the ground below, inside the escalator, oh. the investigation also found that inside the tracks of the escalator was really poorly maintained. There was a bunch of buildup of grease, oh sure, and dust and yeah. debris and and you know, well, if people paper, are constantly up, going and... up and
1: down those things, like when are you really going to maintain it? because well, I'm guessing, I'm guessing London is. Uh, Probably a twenty four seven city, just like New York yes, City. But you can shut
0: down an escalator. That's that's true. You know? yeah, that's true. And still keep like you going. Got, so. You guys will just have to walk. But they didn't. Jeez. Um, and it was into so that that lit match fell, lit up all that stuff, and that's how the fire got started. They also found in all that debris under the you know in the during the investigation on under the escalator. They found a whole bunch of other matches. Yeah. So in okay. other words, this was just the one that caught. Yeah. But it could have happened umpteen times before that. It just happened to be the time that it happened. So they figured out how the fire got started. But then the thing that made this so deadly was the flashover. So they're like, sure. okay, what happened to cause the flashover? The inquiry conducted multiple tests using one third scale models to replicate the conditions of the fire. And it was, it was actually a a tough situation. They, they struggled to really figure it out. And even then there was a little bit of contention as to what exactly happened. Part of it, like Lee said, is it's an enclosed space, right? That's just the nature Mm. of the tube station. They couldn't do anything about that. Um... But the the way the fire spread was a big part of the flashover. So the fire spread from the underside of the escalator to the top of the escalator, the passenger side, because of the oil and the debris in the track, sure. which was moving it up. Um. Eventually, this meant that the fire moved up vertically toward the ceiling and spread out towards the walls, heated enough to cause this ther- this flashover, right? The thermal heat level but the walls had like paper advertisements sure. on them those are obviously highly flammable the ceilings had decades worth of old peeling paint on them Again, and it looks like and it, looks, and it
1: looked like a uh, foam insulation too in that maybe. One i did
0: not see any of oh, that okay. mentioned but maybe maybe um in fact several years before the fire the London Underground's director of operations had raised the issue that the accumulated paint on the ceiling might pose a fire hazard.
1: Oh, might.
0: But painting wasn't within his authority, so they just ignored it. They everyone just ignored what he said. He's yeah. like, well, if that's not your department. What
1: did he say? Uh, a bunch of people might get caught on fire. Uh, put that on the put that in the suggestion box. Right.
0: The flashover was caused when all of the flammable material in the vicinity, that old paint, advertisements, whatever, all ignited simultaneously. The inquiry found that by the time the fire brigade had reached the station, there was nothing they could have done to stop the flashover. Yeah. It was just going to happen. No. Um, The inquiry found that the first British transport officer who went to inspect the report of the fire on the escalator was not usually stationed at the King's Cross station and had not received any fire training, Mm. fire safety training. As a result, he didn't know the proper chain of command for reporting and did not tell the station manager or the line controller as would have been the procedure. While the underground officers did eventually start evacuating, they did this just sort of on their own because the London Underground did not have an evacuation plan. Oh, Jesus. Which what? What?
1: Well, you would also think coming, I mean, England has been bombed over and over Mm -hmm. again. You would think just based on that, that there would be some sort of... Right. Or maybe they just thought, eh, people will figure it out. I mean, (laughs) like... Yeah.
0: Uh, It's like one of those things, like, I remember every time, because we moved a lot as a kid, when I was a kid. Every time we were in a new house... Our parents would tell me and my sister, like, if there's a fire, you do this. And like we had our little family evacuation plan, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, how can you have that for like a two-bedroom house and not and not and and not a
1: not a major transportation hub? People
0: are going in and out of. Oh boy. Um, so because of this, these officers who were evacuating just like as they could. They evacuated passengers out on an escalator that was too close. They should have sent them to the other side. Sure. But they didn't have any training or any plan or anything, so at least they thought we'll get people out of here, which is good. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't the way it should have been, which they should have been trained to do differently. Um, The report further found that the underground was not being run with an eye to safety by no. the recently created London, London Regional Transport. If you'll remember our long winded mm. anti conservative rant last week, you'll note that the LRT was created by Margaret Thatcher and her Tory administration, abolishing the Greater London Council, who had previously been running the tube, and was, to Maggie's view, extremely leftist. <laughs> Fuck her.
1: Extreme, of she wrote it extremely on. leftist. Like, what does Jesus that even mean? Christ. Like, like I keep, I keep seeing this thing uh, from right wing jerk offs, like cultural Marxism. Like, what does that even what mean? Are you
0: talking about what, <laughs>
1: like, do you mean like, cultural? what is, does that mean? I own a Che t shirt. Like, what, what does that mean?
0: <laughs> I own a Che, che biography. When you do? Yeah. Where is it? I read.
1: I'm yeah. Re, uh, it's it's in here. I've seen it. Uh, but uh, he's up right there. Yeah. I'm I'm still I I. I don't know how to feel about him one way or the other, but I'm just like, what is culture? What does that mean? <laughs> like fucking extreme well, leftism? See, they don't
0: even know what it means. No, it's just a catchy, they're just using. But that's it. what
1: I'm saying. That's what we talked about in the last episode. Mm-hmm. They're very good mm-hmm. at marketing. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't mean anything.
0: It doesn't have to mean anything.
1: Yeah. It's just like yeah. Yeah.
0: No. So the report. This is in. <clears throat> this is in the inquiry. The report states, quote. Whereas financial matters, namely productivity and budgeting, were strictly monitored, safety was not strictly monitored. No unquote. way. Hmm. I wonder why that was. Mm. And that's why it was so important to talk about all the fucking Thatcherism bullshit last week, because this is the shit it leads to. Yeah. Oh, it was very productive. Lots and lots of money coming in, and 30 people, 31 people dead. Yeah. But you know what, that's to be expected. Yeah, that's, you know,
1: you gotta you know, make an omelet.
0: You gotta break a few eggs. The inquiry also found major systemic issues in the underground stemming back years. So there had been repeated find- findings and reports from both inside and outside the underground calling attention to inadequate fire safety training and procedure. But demarcation between the engineering and operations side of the tube caused problems because basically operations thought it was engineering's problem, engineering's thought it was operations problem, and so nobody was taking care of it. The managing director of the whole underground was pretty clueless in general as to the training of any staff. He was just like, you Ah. know... Everyone, once the, once he got into his role, he was like, you know, everyone on People both sides. People know how to sides, put out fires, right? Well, he is saying everyone on both sides has been here a really long time. Everyone in upper management, they're all long serving, so they must know what they're doing. And and that was that. And that was another issue.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Some 20,000 underground employees were managed largely by a legacy group of managers who had been in their position For ages. Uh, The underground had a long tradition of internal promotion, which is great for workers seeking opportunity. But one thing that an external hire can do for an entrenched system is point out the weaknesses, right? Because you're seeing it with fresh eyes versus people who have been there forever and ever, especially if they don't have strong regulations and a culture of following those regulations in place. The overall culture of the underground had become highly compartmentalized, Um, very little attention paid to self-reflection or evaluation in any way. In the words of the Inquiry's report, quote, While on the one hand this inward-looking approach may have allowed London Underground to become preeminent in certain technical fields, such as signal engineering, it undoubtedly led to a dangerous, blinkered self-sufficiency which included a general unwillingness to take advice or accept criticism from outside bodies end quote
1: which is i mean they were
0: just so entrenched
1: i mean still goes on today in all sorts of of different you know that's that's that's
0: our entire system of government i was gonna say that's that's, that's
1: human nature to an extent
0: it is but that's why you have to build in safety mechanisms Mm -hmm. to that right um In my job, one of the things we do is evaluate internal controls, which in terms of accounting is just like, what are you doing to make sure bad shit doesn't happen money-wise to your (laughs) business, right? And it's things like, um, do you have a segregation of duties, right? Like, and people checking on other people. Are people related in this business and how is that kept separate do you make people take vacations so they're not getting burned out or given more opportunities to do shit like embezzle, that sort of thing? This is like just that internal audit and that internal control system just being completely overlooked. And that can be implemented to protect even when there is a legacy management situation. So It was found that even internal safety audits were not taken particularly seriously And memos resulting from them were not acted upon in in August of 1987, three months before this happened. A memo from a senior personnel manager in operations for the underground was written uh, or yeah, a memo was written speaking to the need uh, to remain proactive in safety. So this was in this memo, August 1987, quote, A safe environment is not one in which there is an absence or a low number of serious injury incidents but is the result of active participation by management and staff in identifying hazards and then doing something positive about them in other words the absence of accidents is a negative measure largely dependent on luck while the identification then prompt elimination of or control of hazards is a positive step and is essential to the discharge of our duties under current legislation. Hmm. In other words, shit's going (laughs) to happen. And that's, that's whether it happens or not. It's what are you doing when you see those flaws and what are you doing to correct it? So despite this acknowledgement, just three months before the disaster, there was no emergency response plan and no evacuation plan in place in the London underground. There had been no plan on how to meet or guide the fire brigade when they arrived. So the fire firefighters when they came they kind of had to figure it out on their own. Like well, and, where are we going and what are we doing? And
1: you would also think that they would have a contingency plan mm. themselves. The
0: fire brigade? Yeah. well that there would be some sort of like liaising yeah. with the yeah. London Underground to know. Mm-hmm. Or
1: that's that's this is that's this situation is very strange. Especially, that there's
0: so little.
1: Yes. Especially coming off of, literally, World Wars, where yeah. London was bombed constantly. You know, I But mean, if you're
0: thinking about now, not only a highly underfunded civil
1: yeah, service, I guess, yeah.
0: but over 100,000 pe- jobs cut, right? Mm-hmm. From civil service we yeah, learned that's, last that's week. That's true, too. That Margaret Thatcher was bragging about. This is the shit that happens when you cut these corners. Mm-hmm. You know? By the time most of the underground's senior management were aware of the fire, it was over. That's how long, like, how poorly the chain of command was sure. known or followed. Or So, the aftermath. The report of the inquiry resulted in 157 recommendations. Uh, yeah. While the report made it clear, like, hey, underground workers are not to be held responsible for the fire or its effect, like... None. None of the people have been trained properly, right? So it's not like they did something wrong, but that was the problem. That was the problem. It was noted that, they didn't that know what the, to do. exactly that yeah. there was a lack of training in fire safety, emergency response, or the proper chain of command for reporting emergencies. The inquiry ta- called for basically a total cultural change of the London Underground's management to which Fennell said, "Quote, in particular, I would expect to see one, clearer accountability for job performance and systematic monitoring of delegated responsibilities, two, a more open approach to the exchange of information within the organization and a seeking out of relevant information, best, best practice, etc. from outside." Three, an increase in the recruitment of managers with professional expertise other than railway experience and more use of independent professional advice in training and safety matters. And four, a structured safety regime endorsed at the highest level, designed to anticipate and to prevent the unexpected. End quote. Other recommendations. (laughs) So in other
1: words, a contingency plan.
0: Right. Other recommendations included increasing the coverage of CCTV monitoring in all stations. There were some some CCTVs up, most of them were, were broken. At the and time I was going to
1: say and also uh well what you mean by for the for the kids listening? Oh
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: uh
1: CCTV means closed circuit television. That was also a pretty new thing at this time. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: it would have been pretty. I remember the
1: grocery store down the street from our house had one in the beer cooler. And it was, <laughs> and it was just like, smile, you're on TV. Yes, uh-huh. You know, but I was just like, oh my God, look.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Also to make sure people like me didn't steal the beer. <laughs> <laughs> Did it stop you? No. Yeah, I didn't think
0: so. Mm-hmm. Um, Other recommendations? Oh, radio equipment that actually worked underground because their equipment didn't work underground. Uh, Getting rid of wooden paneling on the escalators um, and better fire detection and suppression equipment. Uh, Fennell also addressed the issue of funding for the underground. He said that in his opinion, there was, quote, no evidence that the overall level of subsidy available to London Regional Transport was inadequate. (laughs) To finance necessary safety-related spending and maintain safety standards, end quote. There's
1: no evidence of that at all, other than the 30 dead people. (laughs)
0: Exactly. However, he also noted that London underground managers felt that, quote, the financial climate would rule out proposals to increase spending in certain areas, end quote.
1: Speaking of something that sounds familiar, this (laughs) sounds exactly like, um, it's not the same thing, obviously, but it sounds like the gun lobby here in America. Mm-hmm. It almost sounds like the same, mm. like, premise. Like, it, well, it wasn't the gun that killed all right. those people. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, people just have them. You know, the bullets just came out of nowhere.
0: Well, this is so ridiculous to me because this guy's talking out of both sides of his mouth. He's like, look, look, look. There's no evidence that they're getting inadequately There's no funded. evidence that a
1: fire killed these people. But then
0: saying, <laughs> oh, yeah, but the managers are afraid that they're, if even if they give any p- fire safety plans, yeah, they won't be says... approved because of money.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Huh. Um, Considering that Great Britain was now eight years into Margaret Thatcher's slash 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 era of privatization and underfunding of public endeavors, it's honestly no wonder they thought that they were probably right. After the report came out, multiple high-level managers resigned from the London Underground and London Regional Transport. Many tube stations were completely overhauled in the coming years, and the smoking ban of 1987 became permanent. A memorial service was held for the victims of the fire at St. Pancras Church with a memorial plaque unveiled by Princess Diana
2: mm.
0: about a decade before she died. Mm-hmm. In 2021, a plaque was unveiled at King's Cross fire station or sorry, no, that the substation tube station in honor of firefighter Colin Townsley. And that, my friends, we are stopping in 1987. Not going any farther in British <laughs> politics right now. As far as
1: we're concerned, Britain, Great Britain was over in 1987.
0: Finished in 1987. <laughs> that was London Underground Part Three: The King's Cross Fire. We've spent four weeks in the London Underground.
1: I think we need to get out, like before. There's another <laughs> fire. No, I mean just, just
0: crawl to the surface. Uh,
1: I mean the. La- I mean. The lack of planning—that's the most astounding thing in this whole thing. Like it, that doesn't make any sense. It, I like know. it really doesn't.
0: Like to not have an evacuation plan,
1: or or for the firemen to not have, um, like one of the things you'll notice, like if you've watched any nine eleven documentaries, I've watched mm-hmm. several. Um, the firefighters knew both trade centers like up and down. It, it was like they were they were there all the time, mm-hmm. and the reason that they were there all the time was to prepare. Not mm-hmm. not for planes crashing into it, but right. but, to, fire. Uh-huh. but to prepare for, like, the worst possible scenario, uh-huh. and then a scenario that they couldn't even imagine right. happened, and way more people could have died had they not been prepared. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, And to not have, like, I can't, I just cannot wrap my mind around whoever, like, the fire captain is in this area, in this district, not yeah. being like, you know, we're going to get the boys together today and go over some sort of.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the protocol was um, for for Great Britain or for London specifically. But you can just see how, first of all, the the London Underground kind of being entrenched in terms of, like, leadership and stuff. That happens over decades, right? Well, so sure, that's just of course. A, That's a that's, cultural problem, and that is a big problem. But also, a big problem is... It thinking well. Even if we want to do stuff, we're not going to have the funding to do it. Yeah, and there's like a learned helplessness (laughs) in that. um, That like we're yeah impossible budgets. We could improve this,
1: but there's no money for it. So yeah, and that leads to it. Just leads to indifference in in a sense, you know, or helplessness. Right. Like,
0: Like I said, learned helplessness.
1: Yeah, and. Like my my friend James, who's a fire captain, like like he said, he was like, he's like mostly what we do is train. He's like, there's not, yeah. he's like, mm-hmm. there's not fires going on all the time. Right. He's like, so mm-hmm. he was like, it's very, he's like that old adage of, like the guys hanging out at the station,
0: right? Uh-huh.
1: Um, you know, watching TV. He's right. like, he's like, yeah, that happens here and there. He's like, but mostly we're training all the time. Well, he's it like, happens
0: when you're actively on shift. Yes. Like and having your job is to be ready to go at a moment's notice. Yes. So yes, that's when you're sitting around waiting. But yeah, their their level of required tra- required training is And
1: and they deal in stuff, um, because <clears throat> where he works, that part of whatever interstate that that he's close to, <laughs> um Chemical trucks are going back and forth on that. Mm. So they have trading in that. Like, what yeah. happens if there's a chemical spill? Mm-hmm. Like, like all kinds of shit that yeah. you don't even really think of.
0: And firefighters respond to non-fire emergencies, yes, they too. they do. So there's lots and of stuff. And he is.
1: He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's he fire owns, rescue. Fire rescue, yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what my grandpa was, too. Yeah, that's... Uh, and the thing is, like, I do think that in a lot of organizations, they are good... I mean, like... How many of us have seen the run, hide, fight, active shooter mm-hmm. video, right? Yeah. Because they because make you take it every it's a serious, year. They it's make a you thing that you need to be made mm-hmm. aware of. And the point is to make it so it's second nature: run, hide, fight, run, hide, fight, run, mm-hmm. hide, fight, right? Um, or that's why you have fire drills—is so you know where to go in in the case of a of a fire and that sort of thing. And that's that's important. Not only were they not doing these drills, they weren't drills, doing like anything. They, they didn't have a plan to <laughs> no.
2: do it. They didn't even
0: have a, a set <laughs> set rule book for it. So it's it is wild and also not at all surprising. And I will put it on Margaret Thatcher because she's an asshole.
1: Yes, so. yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Margaret Thatcher. Fuck
0: you, Margaret Thatcher. I wonder if
1: South Park has thrown her in an episode at some point. Well, probably not. They they mostly do current events. Oh. It would be funny if they did, like, a Reagan-Thatcher, like, episode. <laughs> <laughs> They've picked on literally everybody else. Right. So...
0: Hasn't Osama Bin Laden been in them, so...
1: No, that's... Uh, really? That's a funny... I don't believe so. Osama Bin Laden was in the very first season of Family Guy. Okay. Um, bef- This is about a year, almost exactly a year <laughs> before 9-11 <laughs> happened. The episode had to deal with, um, Stewie is meeting Brian somewhere, and Stewie is obviously, like, a little terrorist plotter. Is that um, the baby? Yes. Okay. Um, so, they're in line at the airport, and Stewie's trying to figure out how to get through the metal detector, because he's got, like, guns and bombs and shit on him. So,
0: the, the baby is, like, a, a serial killer or yes. something, right? Okay. <laughs>
1: so, like, he, he comes up with, um... He comes up with a snare. Well, I'm just gonna cry because I'm a baby. Oh
0: yeah, and so yeah, they, uh-huh. they pull him
1: through, and he's like, ah. Oh, he goes. Uh-huh. He goes. I hope Osama bin Laden doesn't know any show tunes, and then it goes right to him, like Osama bin Laden singing Sing, like a show tune <laughs> while he's going through the metal detector. <laughs> and obviously, they cut that out of the DVD and like all that shit. The only the only place you can see it now is on YouTube. But yeah, oh, that, wow, that, that did actually happen.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. Whoo.
1: So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because but, but Laden was like a known figure before 9-11 happened, you know, which is Apparently. why when it did happen, everybody was like, had to have been him. Yeah. I, I mean, it wasn't really much of a...
0: Well, g- I mean, when somebody keeps saying they're going to
1: bomb us yes. targets and and they consistently pull through on that promise then right. yeah you don't have to do a whole lot of research
0: it's the, it's the epitome of when someone tells you who they are believe them the first yeah. time I mean like
1: the whole and the same thing with like the whole build up to January 6 if you were a person on Twitter for weeks before that that happened, they were all saying what they were gonna do and then when it happened it was like, well gee, I wonder who it was yeah. <laughs> this is you know. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just a lack of preparation, a lack of planning, and a lack of funding yeah. is why we have this podcast.
0: <laughs> yes, in a lot of ways. Very, <laughs> so rarely do we have a disaster that literally is All just... All the protocols just happened, were in line, and, And, yeah. and yes, it, everybody responded as they should, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are
1: the boring ones. We don't <laughs> need those ones. Yeah, these are, these are much more fun. But, uh, yeah, just... I. And, again, it goes back to, like, you know, like if you're 20 years old listening to this and that, like, what do you mean you could smoke on, like, a subway? I know, Like, right? that, that must be such a foreign thing. Yes. You know? I, I mean, to the point where I even barely remember it, just mm-hmm. being able to smoke anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I remember when they were switching. When I was little, they had, when when you were sat for a table at a restaurant, smoking or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: You, that's right. You don't even hear that anymore. No. Like, where would you hear that? I don't think you hear it anywhere.
0: Maybe in other countries, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, in the United States, I don't think so. I
0: know in Europe, smoking is a lot more common.
1: I think they've t- tampered down it quite a bit too. Even I don't, just
0: well, maybe because in public spaces. I think so, but
1: I don't know. I've never been, so we'll go one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe we'll go to the tube one day. <laughs> well, I mean, the Bills are playing in London this year, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So again. Just negligence, lack of planning, lack of everything in A this homicidal instance. prime
0: minister, you know, that, that sort of
1: thing. That too. All the, all, the, all the ingredients.
0: All the hits.
1: So that was the London Underground Part 3, the King's Crossfire. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.